This week on Myths and Legends, we're back in the stories of the Monkey King and the journey to the West, where we'll see that if your road ahead is literally just fire, that might be a bad thing and make your journey more difficult. Also, that Pigsy eventually crosses the threshold dividing Stinky and Bacon, but you have to be able to handle Stinky long enough to get to Bacon. The creature this week is the CB. It will eat your friends. This is Myths and Legends, episode 358, Winded. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. In the story of the journey to the West, we follow Xuanzang, the human monk, who was tasked by the heavens with retrieving the holy scriptures from the Thunderclap Temple in the West. Since the road is impossibly long and dangerous, he was granted four guards, essentially monsters on a redemption arc. There was Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, a super-powered monkey who turned against heaven in nearly one hundreds of years prior. There was also Pigsy, a stinky, appetite-driven pigman. And Sandy, a dour indigo sandman. Also their horse, which is actually a dragon, but who almost never leaves the form of a horse. We'll catch up to them on the road actually managing to have an easy journey for once. Good for them. Monkey was... happy? It had been smooth sailing for months now. No misunderstandings with monsters. No demons in disguise. There was just the journey. Each day they ambled on, stopping at a village here and there to seek alms or stay with a benevolent resident. Every night, Xuanzang instructed them. The group listened to Monkey when he advised them to avoid this or that forest or abandoned spooky monastery and continue on the road. And Monkey was sensitive to his master's fatigue and Pigsy's extreme laziness when he pushed them all just a little bit too far. They all sought understanding and empathy, and they found it with one another, and why was it so hot? He's touching me, Pigsy called out from the rear. Sandy called back that he wasn't touching Pigsy. Pigsy was on his side of the road. Pigsy held up a hoof and pointed to his arm. Oh yeah? What's that? Sandy's indigo eyes squinted. That wasn't sand, it was dirt. Pigsy needed to bathe more. You're dirt, Pigsy sneered. Sandy swelled and sized and wrapped a hand around Pigsy's neck, turning his other hand into a hammer when Xuanzang cried out for them to stop. They needed patience with one another. It was the heat. It was unbearable. Why was it so hot? Wasn't it October? Monkey looked at the scorched landscape. The trees wrung brown from drought. Yeah, he didn't know what was up. I think I can answer that, Pigsy said, rolling free from Sandy with a glare. Far, far on the edge of the world is where the sun sets. It's called the Surya Kingdom. Each night, the sun descends into the western sea. The king has the people playing drums and horns atop the walls of the city. Because the sound alone, the one of the sun sizzling in the sea, would kill the children. Monkey laughed. That's, that, that wasn't where they were. Hooves on his hips, Pigsy said, oh yeah? Why not? Um, because listen to yourself, that's on the edge of the world. We are way too far behind schedule to have made it to the edge of heaven. 
Additionally, we would have needed to have completely missed the Thunderclap Temple and continued on for several hundreds, if not thousands of miles in the wrong direction, which that actually does sound like us, which would mean we'd have to, once again, be making way better time than we are, Monkey said. But for real, this heat is insane. Monkeys have limited sweat glands, and this panting was getting annoying. Further, it was only getting worse the more they traveled west. They needed to figure out what was happening. And then, as they all rounded a corner, they saw what was happening. An entire mountain was on fire. Oh, there's a village up ahead. It's glowing, Xuanzong pointed out. He wasn't wrong. Everything in the village was literally red hot. Monkey said he would go ask the denizens what was up with the late autumn heat wave and the burning mountain. The man he ran into was nice and not a demon or a secret god, more rare than you'd think on this journey, and invited the four monks into his heavily insulated house. Oh yeah, you can't go west, the old man said, handing out the bowls of rice and vegetables to the travelers. They said, uh, they had to? With a laugh, the old man said that he hoped they liked being liquefied because that's what would happen if they tried to cross the 800-mile-wide flaming mountain that barred the road up ahead. They they acknowledged that that presented a problem. Monkey, with the right preparation, could probably handle it. Sandy would turn into glass. Pigsy, though, would probably get cooked, and they preferred their master not liquefied. Rice pudding, they heard from the outside. Monkey rose. He was going to go get some rice pudding. Did they want any? No? Okay. Monkey cried out when the, what should have been unsurprising, the red-hot bowl touched his paws. If you can't take the heat, stay out of the, this town, our town that we're in, because it's very hot here. The rice pudding vendor laughed before spouting off his insult that, yeah, did need a little bit more work. How do you possibly grow rice here? Monkey said. Withered trees lined the walk up. Plows couldn't bite a dry and craggy ground. Oh, the palm leaf fan. Duh, the rice pudding vendor said, and started to continue on his way. Monkey stretched out his arm and gently dragged him back to the house. The what now? There was, apparently, a being named Immortal Iron Fan. He had a palm leaf fan that put out the fire ravaging the land with one wave, brought a breeze with the second wave, and brought rain with the third. That's how the people managed to live in such an inhospitable region. Monkey rose. Easy peasy. He'd go get the fan and be right back. Then they put out the mountain of flame ahead of them and get back on the road. The old man stood from the table. It wouldn't be that easy. The immortal iron fan liked gifts for use of the fan. They brought him hogs, sheep, flowers, fruit, chickens, geese, wine, and more. There was a whole ritual bath that they did, and they had to drag all these things like a thousand miles. Monkey laughed. Well, he wouldn't be doing all that. The immortal Iron Fan continuing to live. That would be Monkey's gift. Him remaining in one piece and not several. That was what Monkey was willing to give him. Monkey said, thousand miles? He would be back in twenty. With the fan. Monkey called up a cloud and rode off into the sky. Hey, old man, Monkey called out to the elderly man. He said, sorry, that was a little rude to just call him old man. 
Why? The elderly man asked. Growing to an old age was a privilege that not all are granted in any time, let alone this one. It was an honor. Fair enough, Monkey said. Hey, he was looking for a mortal iron fan. Where could Sun Wukong find him? <laughs> the elderly man held up a finger. He would tell Monkey what he wished to know. But first, Monkey needed to check his prejudice. Lord Immortal Iron Fan was actually Lady Immortal Iron Fan. Monkey said, oh, well, he wasn't just assuming Lord Iron Fan was a man. He had been told Iron Fan was a man. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Where could he find the Princess Iron Fan? <laughs> the old man laughed. Bet Sun Wukong didn't see that one coming. Monkey said he did, because they already established her name is Raksasi. The old man said, looks like the old man can teach the monkey a thing or two about assumptions. Okay, thank you, monkey said. They, she had a fan he needed to put out a mountain of fire. <laughs> Not only is she a powerful mortal, but she's also a mother. Bet you didn't see that one coming, did you? The old man said. The immortal iron fan being a mother. Sexist much? Like he said it, okay, it made sense that she was a mother, he guessed. He didn't know, he didn't have an opinion on that. Can they just cut to the part where he told Monkey where the immortal what? Yes, her son, Red Boy, hasn't been home in quite some time. The old man shook his head. Wait, what? Red Boy? The, the demon Red Boy? Monkey uh, groaned. You know what? And neither has her husband, the, the bull demon king. Yes, Monkey said. As the old man chastised him for his assumption that the immortal Iron Fan couldn't have a husband, Monkey realized that asking probably was not going to work in this situation. Their two most recent big bads were Red Boy and the Bull Demon King, both of which have been challenged for Sun Wukong, and he imprisoned Red Boy with the Bodhisattva Guanyin and returned BDK back to his original form. Monkey was the reason why Raksasi's family was never coming home. Oh, the elderly man said. That made things more difficult. Okay, well, what if Sun Wukong just didn't mention it? Not lie, just he was a monk in search of a fan, right? Just say that. No reason to go into the fact that you destroyed her life. Also, try not to make her too mad. Everyone in this region relied on her to not catch on fire. Monkey said he would do his best. He thanked the elderly man and made for the palm leaf cave. Monkey introduced himself to the little girl, holding a basket of flowers, asking her to please go announce to Princess Iron Fan that Sun Wukong, disciple of the Tang Monk, wished to speak with her about borrowing the fan. The girl smiled and rushed inside. Monkey waited, huh? Nice cave palace, very serene. Wasn't on fire, always a plus. Probably because she had the fan. Feet rushed across the stones inside the cave, and... Sun Wukong turned. It was some servants carrying some armor. Oh, their lady, Princess Iron Fan, will be by in a few moments. So sorry for the wait. No, no rush. I arrived unannounced. Monkey waved graciously. A few more moments with a few more servants padding past, carrying blue-bladed swords. Then, armor clanged at the end of the hall, and a sword pointed at Sun Wukong. Monkey. Monkey pointed at his chest. Me? You took my son from me, Princess Iron Fan said through her helmet. Monkey sighed. Okay, so she knew him, yes. Sorry, he was doing great, though. 
in the service of the Bodhisattva. Could not visit as much on account of being physically restrained so he wouldn't be evil, but you took him from me. Okay, you let him harass and kill people. He took my master hostage. He was going to eat him. Sorry, you're a terrible parent, but you don't need to make your shortcomings the rest of the world's problem. Monkey paused. That was... Yeah, that was probably a bit much. The Iron Fan Princess pulled out the fan. Monkey nodded. Okay. Tough love worked, he could see. Good stuff. You know, she shouldn't beat herself up, though. There's no book on parenting. Well, no, there were literally thousands. But whatever the lesson here was, he was glad it was over without a fight. He'd bring back the fan, and she shrank. Her mountain shrank. The forest surrounding it shrank as it flew past Sun Wukong. Oh, she used the fan on him. Fantastic. Do not worry, there are more puns to come, but that will be right after this. Field of Greens is probably the healthiest thing I do every day, and this is a journey I'd like to invite you to go on with me. It's just one scoop a day, and it tastes great, especially the wild berry flavor. It has revamped my morning. I think of all the routines we've added this year, this one seems to make the most consistent difference. Yeah, I am way more productive throughout the day, and I think it's because a good nutrition gives me more energy. Field of Greens has been great in that regard. Then there's also the digestion. Yes, you know you're getting older when you like eating and drinking things that help with digestion. (laughs) And better sleep. And just feeling healthier overall. Hey, you know, you do what helps. And Field of Greens is just different in a way that our bodies can tell. Each organic fruit and vegetable in the mix was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. Because of that, Field of Greens is a healthy choice for us. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they will give you a 100% money-back guarantee. I got you 15% off your first order, plus free rush shipping. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code LEGENDS. That's promo code LEGENDS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Monkey had quickly realized that the fan was strong, very strong, so strong that Monkey couldn't even fly against the wind it produced. No clouds could enter the stream. He had to drift along on the wind until he was able to grab something strong enough to stop. The next morning, he was able to grab a mountain peak, and that he hit a snowy mountain peak. Monkey rose and stretched. Well, that was unwelcome. He was not a fan. He looked around and decided to save some puns for when he wasn't alone on a desolate mountain peak. His feet boarding a cloud, Sun Wukong rose in the sky to get his bearings. Oh, wait. Yellow Wind Mountain. Hey, Bodhisattva Lingji, Monkey called out. From episode 218, how you doing? And yes, this is another callback. Monkey had been blown 10,000 miles back along the trail to a group he had already helped. 
Sitting down with the Bodhisattva, Monkey told him about their progress and that they had not, in fact, gotten to the west yet. But they were currently blocked by a flaming mountain and needed to get the palm leaf fan. The Bodhisattva rocked back. Ah, yes, a great treasure of heaven. It will blow a normal person 84,000 miles before the winds begin to abate. The Bodhisattva produced a vial. This was the wind-arresting elixir. Monkey obtained it the last time they were here. They only needed to have it on them, and the wind couldn't move them. Monkey thanked the Bodhisattva and returned to the cave of the iron fan. It was 10,000 miles away, so it took about a half hour. Really? Princess Iron Fan, Raksasi, asked when she saw Sun Wukong again. She could do this all day, and not in a plucky, resilient Captain America sense. It was just a flick of the wrist for her, and he would be nearly half the circumference of the Earth away. Okay, go ahead and do it, Sun Wukong said, and Raksasi laughed. His confident challenge told her that this would work exactly the same way a second time, and oh no! The trees, the dirt, and the clouds all blew away, but... Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, remained. Roxasi made the right decision when it came to an immovable Monkey King and shut herself up in her cave fortress. Sun Wukong groaned, swallowed the wind-arresting elixir vial, and shrank. A mole cricket bounced in the dirt. So mole crickets are kind of big. I've been getting into tea lately, and I don't understand how you accidentally drink a one to two inch long cricket, which was what happened to Roxasi wind down from the stress of that one thing she tried not working immediately, Roxasi had her ladies make tea for her while they waited for this whole thing to blow over. She laughed because they, they blew things away. What, not a fan? Somewhere in the cave, a cricket chirped, but it wasn't the normal bad joke response cricket. It was that monkey found it legitimately funny. Anyway, he managed to jump into her tea and into her mouth without her realizing it. Sister-in-law, Monkey called out in a spooky monkey voice. Give me your fan. Roxasi sat up straight. What was that? Sound the alarm. Monkey was inside the walls. Monkey said yes. Also, more specifically, she felt a sharp pain in her abdomen. He said he wanted to give her a little snack to go with her tea. Maybe a little punch to get it. He, He actually punched the inside of her stomach. She doubled over in pain begging Sun Wukong to please spare her. You know what it takes, sister, Monkey called out. She held out the fan, and Monkey said, um, was she responding? He was a tiny monkey in her stomach. He couldn't see anything. Here, he would come up her throat. After some acid reflux and way too much gagging, Monkey peeked between her teeth. Yep, that was it. The cricket buzzed out of her mouth and grabbed the fan and the bile-soaked monkey popped into existence on the floor of the cave. He thanked her, but after the trauma of having her stomach talk to her, Roxasi was not in the mood for conversation. Monkey sauntered from the fortress with Roxasi's little fiends rushing to open the doors for him. Got it, Monkey held up the fan. Why do you smell like vomit, Sandy grimaced. Why do you not, Monkey replied, clearly not wanting to talk about it. Okay, they wasted enough time. Could they please get back on the road? They thanked the man who took them in and continued on. Walking down the road, 
Monkey could see the others growing more and more uncomfortable. Xuanzang was sweltering. The horse didn't want to touch the ground. Monkey's own feet were burning since he couldn't get a cloud to stick around long enough without it evaporating. Sandy was sluggish and Pigsy, well, Pigsy smelled uncharacteristically great. Monkey thought that he should probably pull out the fan before he was tempted from his newly vegetarian lifestyle by the walking baconator upwind. Okay, everyone watch out. I got hit with this thing and I flew for about 18 hours before hitting a mountain. I'm pretty sure we'd never see Sandy again, and it would strip the flesh from Pigsy and Master's bones, Sun Wukong said, as he drew the palm leaf fan from his pocket and waved it a few times before it burst into flames. The ashes sprinkled his paw, and he stood there, stunned. Pigsy raised a hoof. Ah, uh, when would the wind get going? Because he was actually being roasted right now. Monkey said the wind wasn't coming. He had been tricked. But he saw that the fan hadn't been a complete dud. Because it was a trap. It had summoned a wall of flame from the mountain. A wall that was now coming for the travelers. Run, Monkey screamed, run! Yulong had managed to get Xuanzang, his monk rider, to safety. Pigsy had burns. Sandy shook off his glass bits and was down by the river looking for replacement grains. Somehow, maybe for the first time in their travels, Monkey got it the worst back in the house of the man who had helped them earlier. 40 miles east, Pigsy inspected the damage. The fire had burned all the hair off Monkey's legs, most of his back, and to the hilarity of Pigsy and later Sandy, his rear end. Um, I thought you were immortal, Pigsy said. Monkey said he was when he had time to prepare, when he could make a fire repellent sign or have magic protect his body. This caught him completely unaware. Who keeps a fake reverse fan in their house? Well, I mean, fans generally are not great for extinguishing flames. It just adds oxygen. Like, like, have you ever heard the idiom, fan the flames? It's... Pigsy saw Wukong's glare and stopped talking. There was a knock at the door, and Pigsy and Monkey took one look and hobbled slowly to their weapons. A demon, a demon filled the doorway. Then, the local mountain god popped his head from the side. Same team, same team. Waving his hands, the mountain god emerged with a local demon. He said it was rare that the two of them would team up, but they were so tired of everything being on fire. Monkey really needed to get that fan. Monkey pointed to the ash on his hand. Yeah, he tried, but how could he get a real one? The demon and the god both smiled. Oh, they knew. Quote, if you the real palm leaf fan desire, then king powerful you must inquire. Monkey said, oh, okay, that, yeah, that made no sense to him. Okay, so the bull demon king we've been referring to as the father of Red Boy was not, in fact, the same bull demon king we returned in episode 328. Monkey was pouring through his notes. Oh, we're going to get some emails about this one. It was not, in fact, the same. The father of Red Boy was one of Sun Wukong's demon friends from back in his bad old days, and not the same bull demon king they returned to Laoji, despite having the same name and powers. Well, I'll just go talk to my friend, Monkey cried out. 
Didn't you beat up his son and fight his wife? Sandy asked. Monkey said yes, but this was really their only option. Evil forces had arrayed against them to bring their strongest obstacle yet, the Burning Mountain. He didn't know what dastardly monster did this, but one thing was certain. It was a specifically evil deed carried out by a monster who intended to do it. Now he was just going to take a big drink of water while he heard about who did it. It it was you. You set the mountain on fire, the local god said to Monkey King, spitting out the water all over Pigsy. What? The demon with him explained that yes, it was him. Did Monkey remember when he, as a monster 500 years ago, got the job at the palace? Monkey said yes. And did Sun Wukong also remember breaking a bunch of stuff and kicking over an oven? Monkey said that they would have to forgive him. He had kicked over so many ovens in his long life that he couldn't be expected to remember all of them. The demon nodded. Well, that oven had been his. When the flaming bricks went careening to the earth to catch the place on fire for half a millennia, he had been held responsible and exiled. Monkey knew better than to apologize. He wouldn't be sorry, he would be better. King Powerful, a.k.a. the Bull Demon King, he had another fan. Monkey said fine. He would head back to the cave and speak to his friend. Maybe fight him. That was the fun of his life. He never knew what he was going to get. The demon and the local god looked at each other. Yeah, he didn't live in the cave anymore. There was a god with apparently a daughter. And when the god died, as I guess sometimes gods do, the daughter, Princess Jade Countenance, we'll call her Jade, came into her inheritance. Hearing that King Powerful was, well, powerful, she thought that she might like to experience that. He decided that he wasn't thrilled with living in a cave, so he left home to become her consort and bodyguard, and had never returned. King Powerful had the fan. He was 3,000 miles away, in the palace of Horde Thunder Mountain. Monkey said, okay, whatever, and took off for a meeting with his old friend. We'll see how an actual raging demon bull takes a visit from Monkey, but that will, once again, be right after this. Bull Demon King, aka King Powerful, heard the library door slam. He looked up. Oh, hi, honey. Don't hi, honey, me, you wretched demon, Princess Jade shouted. King Powerful slid a bookmark in and closed it. So, they were fighting then. I took you in because my parents died and I needed protection, Jade said, pointing at King Powerful. But now, now with what he brought, she saw that he was only a spineless, hen-pecked nitwit, as one translation says. King Powerful said he respected her opinion and saw where she was coming from. He didn't think he was a spineless, hen-pecked guy, but if she could just tell him what he did wrong, he would be happy to apologize for it. Maybe throw in some groveling? He knew how much she loved his groveling. She told him not to change the subject. There was a demon outside right now, a monkey, who said he had come on behalf of Roxasi, whatever her name is, his wife 
to take King Powerful back. King Powerful held up his hooves. Whoa. His wife did not want him back. He sent her some of his weekly allowance so that everyone was happy. She had her cave and her autonomy. He had his, his wonderful life here. It was obviously just some monster using her name. He would go sort this out. Then, the groveling. He emerged to see... Monkey? He asked. Monkey opened his arms. Hey, BDK! Or should I say King Powerful? King Powerful strode over and caught Monkey by the collar, slamming him down. Stones shattered beneath Monkey. Hey, Monkey! King Powerful smile whispered. What are you doing? Monkey asked, looking at King Powerful's raised hoof. Oh, this is just like a thing. King Powerful stopped talking when he heard Princess Jade clear her throat behind him. I'll pound you into next week, demon interloper. Tell me why you've come. King Powerful bellowed out loud enough for his lover to hear. So how you been? King Powerful smiled again. I heard you're out adventuring with a monk. That's fun. Um, hey, yeah, not to disrupt whatever totally cool and healthy thing you have going on here, but can I get a palm leaf fan? Monkey whispered. I heard you had it, and I would bring it back as soon as I can get the Tang Monk over the burning mountain. You want the palm leaf fan, you stinking, ugly, stinking ape? King Powerful yelled out again, then looked down. Yeah, no problem, bud. Monkey said, oh, uh, cool, um... King Powerful shoved him to the ground. You have the audacity to come into the house of my beautiful, strong, punctual lady and make demands of me? You just have to fight me for it, King Powerful whispered. Monkey said, this is really confusing. And King Powerful said, he just had to win too. He really, really needed this. Monkey said, he guessed he could steal it or something at the last minute and just fly away. Okay, let's... Monkey started to say when King Powerful started punching him relentlessly in the face for real. They had been at it a hundred rounds, and Monkey didn't know when his friend was going to start fake fighting. It seemed like King Powerful was actually trying to kill him here. Hey, great work, King Powerful said to Monkey. He was just going to take a quick break, be right back. If Monkey could just wait down there, he pointed a little ways down the mountain. Monkey descended. Um, further? Monkey traveled further. Even further? Monkey took a seat at the base of the mountain. I won! Monkey heard bellowing from the house of King Powerful's lady friend. Monkey froed his brow. What? Just then, Monkey saw some sort of aquatic, golden-eyed monster rise into the sky. What in the world? Monkey shook and turned into a gust of wind so that he could follow in secret. He followed King Powerful to a lagoon where he watched the creature submerge into the murk. Monkey took monkey form, then shrunk down to be a crab. Oh, he... he knew what this was. When he swam down far enough, he found the dripping, subterranean cavern. Outside, in the light of the lanterns, everyone's dragons and turtles and fish monsters they used as cars were parked, and also maybe fighting there amongst themselves. Monkey's crab legs clicked along the main hall. The roof tiles made of gold, coral pillars, and tortoise shell inlays decorated the hall, 
Dragon servants waited on the tables while a band played on the stage up ahead, and there, in the center, sat the guest of honor, King Powerful. Then, a burly-looking dragon and eel found Crab Monkey. They said it was a private party. Crab Monkey said he was, sorry, he was at a reception down the hall and got lost looking for the bathroom. Oh, cute. Here, we'll show you the door, the dragon said, twisting one of Monkey's claws behind him. They uh, put the boots to his exoskeleton, or I guess foot claws and lower eel parts, and told him to get lost. Monkey briefly considered massacring the lot of them, but killing a bunch of the Dragon King's minions was a side quest he did not need right now. Then he saw King Powerful's aquatic ride, and he had an idea. Honey, I'm home! Roxasi heard from inside her cave. She emerged to see him, King Powerful, her husband. I'm back, babe, he said, arms open. She shook her head. Yeah? And who needs him? She was doing just fine on her own. Well, me? I'm not, King Powerful said. He told her that leaving was the worst decision he ever made. He needed her back. He loved her, and he always would. A tear fell from Roxasi's eye. It, it hurt when he left. King Powerful strode forward. His hooves found her hands. He would do whatever he could to try to make up for how he hurt her. But he had to have her in his life. He said he wanted to be a family again. He heard about, uh, he heard about Red Boy, their son. How he had been subdued by Sun Wukong and forced to serve. Serve heaven, ugh. Monkey tried to kill me, Roxasi said. No. King Powerful embraced her. Well, she need not worry. He fought Monkey for a hundred rounds today and won. KP was here for her, now. As they embraced, King Powerful asked what Monkey had been after so far out here. She said the fan of all things, the one that could make fire grow and shrink. She thought he needed it to get to the West. But you, but you still have it, King Powerful clarified. She said yes. She kept an eye on it. She could show him, but first they should get reacquainted. King Powerful said, uh, okay. The wine didn't seem to do anything to King Powerful, but it certainly had an effect on Roxasi. She leaned over and whispered into King Powerful's ear all that she was thinking, and <laughs> King Powerful chuckled. Oh, they would get up to that for sure. Uh, he had to get to this question off his mind. The fan. Just to be sure, she still had it. She said yes. Please, could they not talk about work? King Powerful said he would stop. He just wondered if he could see it. She sighed and stumbled over to the cabinet and brought out a tiny palm leaf fan. It's so small, King Powerful said. She, uh, Roxasi said, yeah. All you had to do was say the magic words and it would grow. She reminded him of the magic words and said, now, finally, could they? King Powerful said, yeah, totally. He was definitely into that. He was good now that he had the fan. You never know what form that tricky monkey can take. And then King Powerful ate the fan and changed back to monkey. Like the form of your husband, Monkey laughed. He was ready for a fight, but he didn't have to be. 
he had thoroughly crushed Roxasi's spirit, returning as her estranged husband, so he just sauntered from the cave. After giving King Powerful's ride a punch, he took off into the sky. Meanwhile, down in the apparent Dragon King Hotel and Conference Center, King Powerful, the real King Powerful, stood waiting for his valet. When a team of Dragon King's guards showed up, flanking a bruised valet attendant, he understood what happened. His super cool and mildly beaten friend, Monkey, had betrayed him. Monkey had made a mistake, and now he was paying for it. While rehearsing how to make the fan grow, repeating it so he wouldn't forget it, he made the fan grow. After he finished vomiting it up, he loaded it onto his back. Now, he was starting to flag. Luckily, he saw Pigsy, gracefully crashing to a stop next to his traveling companion. Monkey said he was, surprisingly, so happy to see Pigsy who himself said that Master had sent him out looking for Wukong when he didn't return. Monkey filled him in on everything, and then dropped the fan down on the road, commanding him to pick it up and take it back. Pigsy was more than happy to, like, really surprisingly happy to. Pigsy lifted it, recited a spell that Monkey hadn't heard before, and the fan shrank in his hooves. Monkey's eyes widened. Wait... Yes, King Powerful said, taking his bull form. Monkey wasn't the only one who could change shape and cause problems. He thought they were cool. He fanned Monkey, but Monkey could not be moved. Remember the wind-arresting elixir from earlier? Horrified, King Powerful drew the swords that he had just borrowed from his estranged wife and attacked. Pigsy, Pigsy, I'm hot, Pigsy. Go see what's taking Monkey so long, Xuanzong commanded Pigsy. This place was unbearable. He knew he should probably be all monk-like about this and detached from the world, but really, it was too much. He was boiling. Everything was hot and miserable. Pigsy left, for real this time, and headed down to the road. He heard the sounds of combat up ahead and saw Monkey on the ground a giant bull man beating him relentlessly. Monkey had fallen, so Pigsy ran away. King Powerful stood over Monkey, who was so, so tired of all this. King Powerful was tired too, but he couldn't let this insult go unanswered because he had to show the woman for whom he was a consort how cool and tough he was. Now that he had Monkey down, though, he had to take his opening. He bolted, and he bounced right off the stinky, sweaty wall of Pig that stood in his way. Give me the fan, Pigsy held out his hoof. Monkey rose, steadying himself on his rod. He gave Pigsy a smile and a nod, and Pigsy nodded back. King Powerful took the opportunity of this show of respectful camaraderie and then and ran, again. But this time he ran into the ghost army of the mountain spirit, who told him to give up the fan. Pigsy, when he bolted, 
did not just run away, which was a big step for him. He ran to get reinforcements. Turned out there were many who were willing to fight for things to not be on fire all the time always. King Powerful looked on them with determination. He was about to lay down his swords when an army arrived on the clouds. It was his girlfriend, Princess Jade Countenance. She had come to help him. Monkey turned to the mountain spirit and his ghost army? Why did he have a ghost army? Whatever, the question was immaterial. Monkey would use it regardless. He and the ghosts would take on King Powerful. Monkey looked at Pigsy. He had faith in his friend's ability. Pigsy could hold off the entire army of Princess Jade Countenance himself. Pigsy puffed up his chest and took to the air. Monkey and King Powerful got into a transformation battle, but we don't need to talk about every one of them or really any of them. It's kind of a trope in folklore where one person will turn into something and the other will turn into something else that beats that something and they'll just keep trying to one-up each other until farm animals rain down from the sky. That last part is not what happens in most stories, but it is what happened in this one. Pigsy, well, excited that he was being trusted with a big pig responsibility, took it just a little too far. He killed Princess Jade Countenance with a rake. Turned out she did need King Powerful for protection. Her mystical immortal servants revealed themselves to be animals of the forest. So donkeys, horses, badgers, deer, goats, tigers, and they dropped from the sky. From what remained to the princess, it became clear that she herself was a fox spirit. Oh, nice job then, Monkey said, as the pelt fluttered to the ground by his side. King Powerful, though, was beside himself with rage. They killed her. The woman he loved and also who bought him all his cool stuff, which wasn't everything about their relationship, but was an important part about their relationship, she was dead. There would be no more cool stuff, and also he was sad because he loved her, but also the cool stuff. He began to shake and grow. Muscles bulged, horns grew, his back rippled, and his skin seemed to stretch and his eyes glowed. Soon, he towered over Monkey, Pigsy, and the army. Oh, final form, huh? Monkey called out to the bold demon king's true form. The ghost army broke and fled, and Pigsy readied his battle stance called Roll into a Ball to Protect Your Vital Organs. Monkey picked up his staff and grew himself, and unlike King Powerful, he did not stop. The story tells us he grew to 100,000 feet, which is nearly 19 miles high, so when he brought his staff down on the head of King Powerful, several clouds came down with him. It shook the earth itself, both beings shrank, and all was still. Roxasi heard the sounds outside. Her husband had returned. Her real husband. Well, he had been back ten minutes before, where, bloody and beaten, he wretched up the palm leaf fan, telling her to keep it secret, while he took on the combined might of the Monkey King, his companions, the Ghost Army, and, oh yeah, the heroes that Heaven had sent him, with nets that encircled the sky. He had run away after Monkey's suborbital beatdown, but this was his last stand. He said that if things looked like they were going south, use the fan on his enemies. Scatter them to the winds, ha. He then raced out to confront everyone. She looked outside and things, yeah, things were going south. 
Roxasi picked up the fan and, responding to the cries of her husband, his skin ridged into squares by the net, she left the cave. She was no longer dressed in armor or even her usual fineries, but she had her hair pinned up. She was wearing simple clothes like a Buddhist nun. She raised the fan and lowered it gently into Monkey's waiting paw. Roxasi said she wouldn't fight heaven for him, King Powerful. Enough of her life had been squandered on King Powerful. Her death wouldn't be as well. Monkey gave the signal, and they cut King Powerful loose. The armies of heaven, the ghosts, and Monkey and his crew left in the direction of the flaming mountain. King Powerful smiled. They were just going to let him go? <laughs> Their mistake. Also, why did she give up the fan? He told her to... The, the, babe? Babe, where are you going? Roxasi closed the door to the mountain cave, leaving King Powerful alone, pounding on the outside. Three waves of the fan, and the countryside was awash in steam, cooling for the first time in nearly 500 years. The people down in the valley rushed to cover, and cries of joy rose from awnings and doorways. Finally, relief poured from the sky. Monkey, Pigsy, Xuanzang, and Sandy turned from the smoking mountain to see... Roxasi. She held out a hand. She wanted to know if she could have the fan back. Monkey laughed. Seriously? After all that, she wanted it back? Roxasi said that she had been looking after these lands for a long time. She might not be the real immortal Iron Fan, but she was to her people. They needed her, and she would not lose her way again. She saw, now, the benefits for the life that had been chosen for her son. She would begin self-cultivation herself, begin working to better herself. Monkey sighed and handed over the fan. After all this time, he not only had faith that people could change, he was experiencing it himself. Roxasi bowed and promised to take care of the land. Sun Wukong, Sandy, Pigsy, Yulong the Dragon Horse, and Xuanzang resumed their journey to the west, the rain coming down upon their heads. None of them seemed to mind. That's where we'll leave it with the Monkey King this time. Last month's Ares took it out of me, so we're gonna take this month off from the Olympians, especially because we're coming up to the heavy hitters like Zeus, Hera, Hades, and Poseidon, which will take substantially more time. Next week, we're back in Celtic folklore with a very good story of murder. The creature this time is the Mirbeck from Irish folklore. Mirbeck has been translated as C-B, S-E-A-B-E-E, and I'll be honest, that's what originally drew me to this idea. A B of the C, well, that would make bees unstoppable. Sadly, it looks like it's a mistranslation. Mirbeck can also, apparently, mean sea breach, which makes a lot more sense, in that the creature breaches the sea and eats people and beasts. Also, it should be noted that the creature has green scaly skin, is a serpent, and looks and behaves nothing like a bee. 
an adversary of the Irish hero Fionn McCool, anglicized as Finn McCool, the Mirbeck actually ate 100 of Fionn's warriors, which, if you've listened to any of those episodes, you'll know that that is no small feat, those guys aren't messing around. Proving that we need to do more Fionn McCool episodes, the creature was created when a lowly worm ate a hero's brain and grew to an enormous size because, yes, apparently someone decided to use Mesgregas, the one would assume deceased hero, someone decided to use his brain as a massive slingshot pellet. Fionn, unfortunately, had to live with 100 of his friends dying and could not take revenge on the creature because the creature could not be killed. In a rare instance where fate was something of a positive for a monster, for a time, the creature could only be subdued by St. Patrick. Yes, that St. Patrick, who, in addition to being a real human person, got a legend of his own where he went to Ireland, did some blessing, did some cursing, and apparently hunted monsters. The CB was bound with a single rush, and is apparently still waiting, hanging out until Judgment Day, where things probably will not go well for it, given all the death. Not saying it would still be living its dreams of eating brains and wreaking havoc if it was an actual bee, but I've tried to tie a hair around a bee. St. Patrick might have had a harder time of it. Just saying. That's it for this time. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free. And the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Combs. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>